Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and happy new year. Man, what an awesome time. It feels like we, we had one week of Sabbath, and it feels like we haven't been here in ages. Uh, I told Katie, I was like, do we still work there? I don't know. No. Uh, we've been working. Our, our team's been doing all, all kinds of stuff in, in preparation. Our, our building team has been doing all, all kinds of work. Our board uh, has, been, has been working hard, and, and our staff. But I, I'm just excited for what God is going to do. And I, I did feel like in, in first service as we were worshiping, I felt like the Lord gave me gave me a word and so before we uh, open up this morning and jump into scripture I, I want to share something with you you know as as we've been praying about the year and before we talk about greater and before we talk about what's possible something that I've really have sensed is this longing and this desire within us as as believers to really uh, leave behind a lot of what has felt like it's stuck with us in an unhealthy way maybe uh, from 2020 and I don't know about you but it feels like almost like there's been an unending continuation of a season it's like 2020 rolled into 21 and 22 like no one said like that season's over this season starts right it just like it kind of crawls through grabbing more and more and more of your life and so some of you as we talk about 2023 we talk about even greater you're like yeah but I'm still dealing with that and it's not that we forget those things or that they don't inform our, our story, but that they don't need to capture any more of our identity and our vision and our destiny and our future as we go into the new year. And, and so I want to encourage you. In fact, let, let's do this. If you would just stand with me this morning, I believe that God's doing a work even now. And I know we saved this part for the end, but let's do the end part at the beginning together this morning because how many of you know the Holy Spirit is good, right? And so this morning, I want to encourage you with something. And just close your eyes so that you, you and the Holy Spirit, you're just going to have a moment right now. And I want to encourage you because some of you are heading into 2023 holding a lot of things from 2020, maybe, maybe even before, 20, uh, 2019, 2018, 2005, maybe going to the 90s. I don't know. I don't know what you're dragging into this year. But this morning before we, we get into 2023 and really dive into what God has, I really want to encourage you to allow him to heal your heart, to allow him to begin to restore your spirit even right now. And that might mean very simply that you've never said, God, I give you this, whatever that is in your heart. Maybe you got some bitterness. Just as your eyes are closed, as you're focused in this moment, maybe you have some frustration. Maybe you have maybe some anger. And you've never said, you've never been honest before the Lord, or it's been a while, and you've just said, you know what, Jesus, I, all of these things, I, I give them to you. All of these things I leave at your feet. Can I just encourage you, don't bring them into 2023, leave them at the feet of Jesus this morning. And if you say that, and if you give them and truly lay them at his feet, and don't pick them back up, but say, you know what, I give them to you, I entrust them to you. This bitterness, I'm not going to hold on to it anymore. This frustration, I'm going to lay at your feet. You know, this sense of not feeling like I'm enough, I'm going to leave that behind. Can I just encourage you that God can give you life, and the Holy Spirit wants to begin even now to stir in your heart. So if that's you this morning, I believe it's someone here, but I want us just kind of all together to be of one accord. I just want you to repeat something really simple after me, and as we do, just, just feel it in your spirit. Say, Jesus, Jesus. all of these things... 
I lay at your feet. Just think on that a moment. Everything, Jesus, whatever that is, I'm going to lay it at your feet. Just with feeling. Say it one more time. Say, Jesus. Jesus. Come on, let's say, Jesus. Jesus. All of these things, I lay at your feet. Let me pray for you right now. Holy Spirit, I pray right now. I know you want to do a work in someone's life, and you want to speak vision, and you want to speak future, and you want to speak possibility, and so I pray you would bring a healing right now. I thank you, Lord, that you're healing hearts right now in this place, in this moment, because you have even greater possible. So I pray to the broken heart, I pray you would mend it right now. God, I pray to the frustrated that you would begin to give them vision and hope. God, I pray for the discouraged. I pray for the weary. I pray for the exhausted that you would begin to uplift them right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. And God, as a church, we stand in agreement and we speak over this place and we believe together in faith and we all say amen. Amen? Amen. You can be seated. Hope you all are ready for 2023. God is calling this church to some incredible things. And by this church, I mean us. We are the church. We're a church family. Uh, one of my favorite things about 2023 is that we, we're, we're selling this building. And we're actually uh, looking for a new building. We have an incredible building team that's working on it and finding inroads with different buildings. Uh, we will be out of this building by the end of March and uh, entering into a, a new space that we've been working on and praying. I really encourage you guys to join me in praying for our board and for our real estate team that's been doing an incredible, incredible job. And we are believing that as a church, that Banner Church would become the epicenter of discipleship in the valley. That we would be a church that's not known just for our, for our performance or for a service, or we, I mean, we like our incredible worship team. I mean, they're amazing. But a worship, how many of you know, is a form of discipleship, right? We teach through worship. We teach about praise. But we want to become the epicenter of discipleship, and we need some classrooms. We need some places to teach, to raise up. And so be praying, and can I just encourage you that God's doing some awesome things, but uh, be praying. And so with that, I want to say we're launching a couple things today, and with prayer is very much that, the 21 days of prayer. I really want to encourage you. We're believing for over 50 people. I think we have like 20 signed up now, so we're getting there. 30? 30-ish? 20? I don't know. We're getting different numbers. It's like bingo right now. A25. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're believing for over 50 people to say, you know what, I'll pray an hour a day. Whatever, however that breaks down for you. Don't, be, don't focus too much on that number. But I'm just going to pray. For 21 days, we'll have over 1,000 hours of prayer. Can you imagine a church that says, you know, I'm gonna, we're going to enter the new year with a thousand hours of prayer. That's more than any system, any service, any structure. It's about prayer. And so as a church, I really want to encourage you to go on to our website or the Church Center app and sign up. You can even do it right now. You can pull up your phone. I won't be offended because you might be like, I'm going to forget. If I leave this moment and I don't do it, just pull your phone. Do it right now. Uh, God blesses, you know, phones that are in service of uh, the kingdom. Uh, but, uh, go pull that in and sign up because our prayer team and, and, and the wonderful Sheila has done an incredible job writing out prompts for every day to help guide that prayer time. So if you're a person like, what do I pray for for 21 days? Don't worry. We got you. Uh, we have some incredible, incredible prayer prompts, and there's a really awesome feeling of, like, praying with others, 
right? There's like something nice, like we're doing it together. It's like we're together. So uh, I really encourage you, go sign up for that. And we are, we are believing in, that we're going to see God move in powerful, powerful ways. Uh, you might ask, hey, what about the fasting portion? I know we've done 21 days of prayer and fasting. We've uh, decided to do a Lent fast. Like I told you, we're moving out of this building in the end of March. And so we're going to do a 40-day fast leading up to Easter, which is the second week of April. So you're kind of putting the timeline together there. Because not only are we going to spend some time teaching again on fasting, but also we really want to focus on that moment. And to begin the year, we really want to focus on prayer. I don't want you to have to think about going to the store or what you buy, not buy. I just want us to say, man, let's dive into prayer. Let's dive into the presence of God and see him move. Amen? The other thing we're, we're doing this month I want to fill you in at because lots of great things are happening is you heard Gianna mention find your fit in foster care. This comes from when we shared in, and when I shared in the vision, uh, vision service, we talked about what God is calling this church to. We really believe that as we become an epicenter for discipleship, the primary source and focus of that discipleship is really the family, the family unit. And in sometimes that family unit is strong internally, and sometimes it needs the strength of community externally, actually all the time. And sometimes the, the families and children and parents need the church to step up and be that family. And so foster care, adoptive care, respite care, mentoring, all these different things are the ways in which we come alongside the most vulnerable, those children who do not have uh, someone who is, who is parenting and guiding and mentoring and raising them up. And so we're doing this, this thing called Find Your Fit in Foster Care. And usually when we talk about foster care, there's a couple responses. One, I do that currently. That's a good one. Uh, <laughs> our staff does that. We have foster and adoptive parents in our staff. Uh, or we've thought about doing that, in which case I want to say, great, then let me give you the information so you know what you're thinking about, so you can make an informed choice and have informed prayers. See, see, you might have put limitations on yourself because of your financial, relational status, your age, whatever it might be, your location. Can I just tell you, how do you know until you know? Let us inform you. Then the other response is usually someone will say, well, we haven't ever really prayed about that. That's not for us. My question is, until you know, how do you know? Come here and make the choice yourself. You don't know what God's calling out of you. You don't know what possibility has been stirring there, that you've been looking for a direction that God's going to say, see, this is what I've been saying. So I just want to say, don't limit yourself. Come here. Come listen, come learn, and maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but I just want to encourage you, man, there's nothing better than informed prayers, right? Having prayers with direction. So come on the 22nd, 5 o'clock, please sign up, because we're going to give you food, and we'd love to know you're coming so we can feed you, uh, because food is good. Amen? <laughs> Amen? Amen. But this morning, we're starting a series called Even Greater. Even Greater. And we're believing this year for an even greater move of God. But we're going to approach it a little different because even when I say that, I think that might inform some anxiety in you. Like, oh my gosh, we're about to do like 2,000 new things. I mean, kind of yes and no. But uh, I want to start with, with, with a word here that I think is going to direct, inform, and encourage us this morning. And it's an even greater hunger. Somebody say hunger. Hunger. I leaned to my wife before I came up. I was like, man, I did not eat breakfast. I am hungry. She said, well, how fast can you eat a granola bar? And I said, pretty fast, but I don't know. Jana's calling me up now, so not fast enough. But I'm hungry in my body this morning. Uh, 
But we're going to talk about hunger today. And to do that, I want to jump together to John chapter 14. If you brought your Bible, open up to John chapter 14. Uh, or if it's on your phone, I'll know. You know, maybe you're texting, maybe you're reading the Bible. That's up to you and the Lord. He's watching. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the words will be on the screen. We're going to read out of John chapter 14, verse 8 together this morning. And it comes from a portion of Scripture where Jesus is encouraging his followers. I love those scriptures where Jesus is encouraging, in this case, his disciples. And he's encouraging them because he said something to them that is kind of discouraging to them. He looked at his disciples, these, these people who have given up everything to follow him for three years, and he says, hey, just a heads up, I'm leaving. And they're like, what? You're leaving? He says, yeah, I'm leaving. And they're like, where are you going? And he's like, you know where I'm going. They're like, we have no idea. Why does he always talk like this? Right? We, bro, we've been following you for three years. We still have no idea what you're saying, but we're digging the fish and bread thing, right? He says, listen, I'm leaving. I know you've been gave up your whole life to follow me, but I'm going to leave you now. And they're like, no. <laughs> and he says, and you know where I'm going. I'm going to the Father, and you know where that is. And they were like, no, no, we don't. Where is that? And so he begins to explain it to them and to encourage them. And what he's encouraging them with is, here's how it's going to go for the people who follow me when I am not present in the flesh, in the physical, the way that I have been. When I've fulfilled what I've come to fulfill, here's how it's going to go. So here's his encouragement. He says, I'm going to the Father. The only way through the Father is through me. I don't care whatever they say when you go to the gem shop in Sedona. The only way to the Father is through, is through me. That's, where I'm, that's how you get to the Father, to eternity. It's just there's one way, and that's through Jesus. And you can test that, but I encourage you, that is the way. It's through, it's through Jesus Christ. And so here's what he says in verse 8. Philip said, okay. So, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. And Jesus answered him. He says, don't you know me, Philip? Even if, after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who's doing his work. He says, believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. And he says, verse 12, everyone key in. You got distracted, you got that notification, you were on the Bible app, you jumped over to Instagram, you're jumping back right now. Verse 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater. Someone say, even greater. They will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Wow. There's a lot there, right? Uh... I really want to unpack this, because I think if we begin to interpret it from an earthly context, we get this kind of like weird, supernatural Santa Claus scenario going on. Give me your wish list, and I'll make it happen. And then you do that, and that's not really how it works, and you feel disappointed. Where is God? So I wanted to, what is he actually saying here? What is God actually saying? So let's look at this. Jump back to verse 12 with me. Verse 12, and he says, whoever believes. Whoever believes. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, whoever believes. 
But he is not just talking to his disciples. He's talking to all of those who believe. So if you're a believer in here, he's talking to you. If you've maybe considered it, he's talking in the future to you, right? He's talking to believers, saying whoever believes, who anyone who'd follow him. And I love that, is that Jesus wants everyone. He says, hey, come in. You who this, you who this, you who this. Come follow me, anyone. It's open for every single person. So he says, you who believe will do even greater things than these. It says, you've seen my works, and you'll do those works, and you'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. That has to be the, one of the most bananas things that exists in Scripture, right? I know that creation's pretty cool. Big fan of making a universe. That's pretty gnarly, like, right? Uh, it's pretty amazing. The, the resurrection, awesome. Huge fan as well. Even the incarnation, the fact that God comes down as a, as, as a baby. Man, that's, whew, right, that's full of the Spirit. Right, all these things, right? It's incredible. This is crazy because it involves us, right? Have you thought about that? What does greater mean? Like more impressive than Jesus? Right, it's hard to believe that we would do something more significant than Jesus, Right, like the guy who raises Lazarus from the grave, right? He walks on water. What's left after walking on water? Like walking on air? It's like one of those kung fu. Have you seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Right, where they're just like walking. He's like, you have to walk on the air. And there's like fighting in bamboo with like long swords, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like walk on the air. I watch a lot of kung fu movies. I don't know if you could tell from the moves. That's how they do it. Big kung fu guy. <laughs> yeah, definitely build for it for sure. Uh <laughs> have that vibe. I know you're, you thought, when you saw me, you thought, the guy's really into kung fu. He's got a karate build. <laughs> what is he saying, right? Surely we're not going to do things that are like more impressive or more substantial individualistically, right? It's like, well, Patrick has done actually more than Jesus did. That, that would feel weird, right? That would feel uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable saying it. You look uncomfortable hearing it, right? It feels weird to me. So what does he mean? <laughs> what does he mean? See, when Jesus is saying greater, it has to do with the context surrounding the works of believers. See, the works are greater because they belong to an age of clarity and power that is introduced by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let, let, me, let me explain it this way. When Jesus is performing miracles works, right, when he's doing all of this, it is to point to him being the Messiah who has come to die on the cross for sins and to be resurrected and invite us into eternal life. When he's working, when he's healing, when he's restoring, when he's raising from the dead, all of these things, when he's multiplying, is our works, our miraculous works that point towards his death and resurrection that's going to occur. And Scripture tells us that even his disciples didn't always understand what was happening, right? Like he would multiply the loaves, and then he'd go back, and he'd be like, do you know why I did that? And they'd be like, uh, no, we don't know why you do anything. <laughs> We're still trying to figure out. Peter seems confident. The rest of us are a little confused, right? Please explain. Then he'll tell, tell a parable or something, right? And so when Jesus worked, his works pointed towards what was to come. But what's amazing is the works of his followers, you and I, are lived out in the reality of his resurrection. So everything that believers do is set in the framework of Jesus' triumph over death, hell, and the grave. Why does that matter? 
It matters because all of the works that Jesus did were pointing towards his death and resurrection, and all of the works that Jesus now does through you immediately reveal the truth of the Son, of Je who is Jesus Christ. So they're greater in the sense that they're living in a greater reality in the fact that you and I are living in the resurrection. That we are living in a time where the curtain has been torn and we have access to Jesus Christ. That if someone saw the works of Jesus, they would say, wow, yes, Jesus, you are the Lord. When they see the works through us, they say, yes, that is the risen Lord that is Jesus Christ. That's greater that the works of Jesus are continued through a church, so sure they are numerically more, right? Because for thousands of years, believers in the millions and billions have been continuing the miraculous works of Jesus Christ. So yes, Jesus raises Lazarus, but through his church, he has raised a thousand upon thousand Lazaruses. And so he says, I'm going to the Father, and so you will do even greater things. That's an incredible reality, church. I think we struggle to grasp what I'm saying right now because if we did, it would change everything about our church. It would change everything about our lives. He says, because I'm going to the Father, you'll do works even greater than these. In Acts chapter 1, Acts is an incredible book. If you're new to the faith, you're trying to figure out what the church should be about, is about, just go read the book of Acts. It will blow your mind. Especially if you don't have any, like, hang-ups about the Holy Spirit. You're just, like, willing to let the Lord do whatever he wants in your life. It's amazing. But the book of Acts is written by Luke, who wrote the Gospel of, guess, Luke. Good guess. Some of you are like, I've never been in church, but I can nail this one. He wrote the book of Luke. Good job. And so when he begins the book of Acts, here's what he says in chapter 1. Luke says, in my former book, Theophilus, the book's not called Theophilus. He's writing to a man named Theophilus. He said, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Did you catch that? He says, in my former book, that being the book of Luke, the gospel, he says, I wrote about all that Jesus began. Do you guys see that? All that he began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. See, I love this. Luke writes the, the, the gospel, right? He's inspired by the Spirit, writes the gospel, tells of Jesus Christ and what he began to do. And then Acts, he says, listen, he began to do it in Luke, what I was describing to you, but it implies something. It implies that the work of Jesus did not end on his ascension. That the work of Jesus is actually continuing through his church. Are you with me? That's a really big important fact. That the work of Jesus did not end with the disciples, but it continues through you. We're like, oh, that's neat. No, that's crazy, right? <laughs> right? That's amazing. When Peter heals Ananias, what does he say? He says, Jesus Christ has healed you. Like, that's like God, right? When Paul is knocked down at Damascus, who talks to him? Jesus. He says, why are you persecuting me? He took it personally. Why are you persecuting me, the church? That's an important implication. Although Jesus was with God, he's now working in and through the church by his spirit. Jesus ascends to heaven but works 
through his church. And that's why, though John put it, puts it differently than Luke, it's the same idea. And so John says, I'll do whatever you ask in my name. Did you see that when we read the scripture? It says, whatever you do, whatever you ask for in my name, I'll do it. I mean, I've heard a lot of weird sermons about this. <laughs> I've been around long enough. But oh, that's a wild thought that comes up. Wait, so anything I ask in his name, he'll do? Okay, so I would like, please, in Jesus' name, a 1953 Harley Panhead motorcycle. In Jesus' name. I almost forgot it, right? Whew, let's just wait. We're all going to wait. This is a tearing service. We're waiting now. Some of you haven't been in church long enough to know what a tearing service is. <laughs> That's all right. All right, well, it hasn't got here, so there is no God, right? We're like, that doesn't make sense. So what is he actually saying, right? Because he's not saying that. I, I hope we would know enough to, to know, and, and if you don't, let me just tell you, that that's not the way that John is, is speaking here. That's not the way Jesus is speaking and the way that John is writing here. It's not, hey, just like ask for like a car, and then like if you do it right and get the right incantation right, then he'll send it to you. What he's talking about here is a prayer context. See, in my name does not simply mean like invoke my name as like a mantra, though the name of Jesus is powerful, and I've seen uh, demons flee from the name of Jesus, so the name of Jesus is powerful. But again, what he's speaking to here is being under the principle and the authority and the will of what that name represents. Are you with me? When he says in my name, ask anything in my name, mean ask in accord with who I am in the mission of why I came to be here. That informs this next statement when he says, you may ask me anything in my name and I'll do it. I was thinking about this. What if I told my kids, hey, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. What would they ask for? So I started listing off some things. I thought Lucy would want uh, Legos, a horse, or some of the other things. We were talking about this earlier. A tree house? A tree house? Yeah, she wants a three-story house and 15 dogs. I don't know what kind of person she's going to be when she's older. But uh, kids have no idea of, like, how much it costs to feed things. You talk to a small kid, they're like, we're going to have 18 kids. Like, no, you're not. Not in this economy. Uh, <laughs> I thought about Henry. I'm like, what would Henry want? Sword, lightsaber, probably a gun. You're like, you're a bad parent. I just live in Arizona. A toy gun. Calm down, liberals. Uh, <laughs> Or, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you'd ask for. But I got, you know, my kids don't understand that, like, I have profound limitations. Like, when your kids ask you for things, like, that kind of relationship has profound limitations. It's like, I don't own the cattle on a thousand hills. I own, like, one house in Mesa. I love my house, but, like, that's the extent of my realm. It's like a third of an acre, and, like, most of it's turf, right? It's like, that's, I'm not grazing any cattle. Uh, but... When we begin to think about, ask anything in my name, ask anything in my name, and I'll do it. Jesus is not saying, like, anything in this vague context. Like, literally anything, anything you want. Just, like, make a list, send it up to the North Pole, and I'll get on it. One time a year, I'll come through, and I'll fly down your chimney, and then, like, answer your prayers, right? <laughs> you say it's so weird, but that is the way we think, right? But I got my, I got my Jesus wish list, and that's my relationship to him is my closeness is defined by how well I think he's doing answering my wish list. And so if he's not answering my wish list, we're not close. Uh, 
Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to dry season because my wish list isn't being answered. It's, like, interesting because sometimes the times I'm nearest my children are the times I'm not giving them anything, but I'm there with my presence, and I want them to enjoy that and to be together. And so I just want to encourage you. This isn't in my notes, but if you feel like God is not answering, I just want to encourage you. It might not be that he's not near. It might just be he's drawing near. And I want to encourage you that he has not forgotten you. He does not forget who you are and what you're facing or what you're dealing. He still loves you. He still intimately cares for you. And he, and he sees your need. He hears your prayers. Even when in the physical, it might not feel like that. Be thankful for a supernatural God that transcends that, but who still loves you and cares for you. See, when we pray in the context of anything, we pray in this reality that if we're followers of Christ, then our desire is to do what he did. So then what did Christ do? Well, the, he was guided by a very clear principle, which was to glorify the Father, that the Father's work would be done through him, and that the Father would be glorified through that work. So then our guiding principle is the same as the guiding principle of Christ, the glorification of the Father in and through everything that we do. So we pray, not the wishless prayer, but the Jesus prayer of, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, in my life, your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, in my family, your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, in this church, Father, would you be glorified in this church, your kingdom come, your will be done. Father, would you be glorified in and through my life, your kingdom come, your will be done. Father, be glorified in everything that we do. And that's important understanding because when Jesus says, you will do greater things, he's saying, because of my death and resurrection, and because I'm going away and sending the Spirit, you will experience the fullness of life and see miracles of God like you could never imagine. If you follow me, if you live in my resurrection, if you walk in my will, then you will experience a great move of God. Because when you walk in accordance with my will, I will certainly outpour and glorify the Father through your life. And so he's speaking in this moment. Jesus is speaking to his followers who are afraid, who are scared about him leaving. And he's saying, listen, I know you're afraid, but I need to go because I'm going to fulfill everything that I came to do. Then I'm going to invite you into a freedom and a life that will change everything that you could ever imagine. And you will get to live out not only a glimpse of that power and that freedom, but the fulfillment of it. Right, this is what Jesus is saying, and I hope you can hear him even through time. You can hear him right now through the Spirit speaking to you, saying, I'm calling you as believers, every one of you, to a life of rich purpose, a life that sees chains broken, a life that sees families restored, a life that sees the dead raised, a life that sees the gospel preached, a life that sees the blind eyes open, a life that sees the truth revealed in deceived minds, a life that sees demons flee before the name of Jesus, a life life that sees oppression lifted over minds and over hearts and over spirits and over families. That's the greater. It's the greater because every day you get to live out the full reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ filled by the Spirit. See, that's the thing. When you accept Christ, when you follow Christ, you're not joining a mailing list 
where occasionally you get some info and you might send some things back. Your life is transformed so that every day you get to live out not only the freedom of the resurrection, but the power of the resurrection through the Holy Spirit. He said, you know what we're going to call that crazy thing? When all those kind of crazy people get together who died to their old selves and were joined in salvation, you know what we're going to call that? We're going to call this beautiful, crazy, messy, powerful, full of the Spirit thing, we're going to call it the church. See, long before it was about filling the seats, it was about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's about filling your home with the Holy Spirit. It's about filling your work with the Spirit. May God have mercy on this church if we are more concerned about the seat we warm than the heart that we reach out to full of the Spirit. See, he's called you to more than just to be a placeholder for the next person to sit where you're sitting. He's called you to more. He's called you to greater. He's called you to purpose. You know what I love about God is that he knows us. That can be a little scary sometimes too, right? You read the scripture, it's like, he knows you. He sees your every thought. And you're like, every thought? <laughs> every thought. But I love that he knows us. And he knew that his disciples, just like us, would be tempted to think that they needed to do this or even could do this by their own power and their strength. Some of you here today, you might be in that boat. You might say, wow, man, even greater, that sounds really nice. Even greater, that sounds amazing. Some of you are thinking like, yeah, I would love to see it. But you're also thinking, I do not have the energy for greater. I have the energy for get by. I don't have the time for greater. I have the time for get through, get over, get past, move forward. There's going to be a season in my life, right? Have you ever talked that way? Like when we, the next season, things will calm down. Not on this planet. I don't know what season y'all are living in where things calm down. Let me know. I don't know what season that is, right? It's just infinite. Remember when you were a kid, you're like, oh, yeah, but when I'm an adult, then, like, it's, gonna, it's really going to, I just do whatever I want. It'll calm down. Then you got bills. Remember that? You're like, oh, that's how my job is? It just pays for these other bills I got? Like, man, that was not as cool as I thought when I was 12, right? I was just, like, buying cars and stuff, right? <laughs> But often we think that we're like, man, greater sounds great. But I don't have the strength for greater. I don't have the time for greater. Maybe when I was young, I was like on fire, youth group days, right? Then I, then I had the time for greater, but I don't have it now. I got too much going on. Can I just tell you, God did not intend for you to walk out of here anxious about trying to earn your way, prove your way, work your way into greater. God made two promises to you that I want to encourage you as you prepare to head out into 2023, that God promised you two things that are the key to greater. And if we pursue those things, if we're hungry for those things in the Lord, can I tell you that you will see greater in your life? It's two things. One, an advocate. The second is an abiding presence. An advocate and an abiding presence. Let me explain. If we keep going in Scripture, we get to John 14, verse 15. How many of you are thankful we're, just, we're still in Scripture, right? John 14, 15. If you love me, he says, keep my commands. That's a whole other sermon. We're not going to stop there. We're going to keep going. But you can study that on your own with your small group. Ask him what it means. It says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Somebody say advocate. advocate. To help you. Look at that. An advocate to help you. What else does he say? And to be with you for how long, Jesus? Forever. What's the advocate's name? The Spirit of Truth. Holy Spirit. 
I will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. That is a spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, and he lives with you and will be in you. I want to encourage you to today, church, that Christ has sent the Holy Spirit to be your advocate. See, Jesus says, when I go, I'm sending another. You know what he doesn't say in there? When I go, I'm going to send you a lesser. Like you had like the, like the good version, now you're going to get like the diet version, right? Like you had like the Coke from Mexico with all that sugar that you got to sneak across, right? Or now, now it's here in Phoenix. It wasn't where I was from. So somebody was going to Mexico, you tell them like, hey, bring some back, right? But then when I go, you're going to get this like new Coke or whatever they have now, like the kind you get from the machine that's like half fizzy water. It's just that angry water everyone buys now that sounds like fruit but doesn't taste like it, right? You know what I'm talking about? Right? He says, no, I'm going to send another. I'm going to send an advocate for you. I've been leading you, Jesus says to his disciples. He says, I've been advising. I've been teaching. I've been empowering. I've been correcting. But now I'm going to send the Spirit to do that. Can I just tell you, church, so much of our life is caught in the tension of trying to live by our own power and our own strength what Christ determined and called us to live by his power and his strength. that the even greater Jesus promises comes through the spirit he's given. See, you're not alone. You're not working under your own power. You've been given the Holy Spirit. That's the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. I think if we just spent a year focusing on that reality, it would change our whole life. If we really dove down and recognized the Holy Spirit, we say, yeah, that's, that's as he dwells within me. Like, really, God? It's like you're taking that so nonchalant that God dwells within you, right? Right? It's a powerful statement. That God, the same spirit that fell upon Christ, the same spirit moves through Christ, the spirit of God who was there at creation, hovers over the deep, right, and brings peace in the chaos and order, is going to be with you. It's with every person who calls upon the Lord. Can I encourage you, if you make a resolution this year, can it be stop living my life by my own power and finally yield my life to the Holy Spirit? I get it. When it's your power, it's your control. But can I encourage you? I'd rather it get a little weird with the Spirit by His power and see Him move in miraculous ways than have it be exhausting, anxious, and boring in the natural by my own power and control. God wants to do something. So not only did He send the Spirit to be with you, He gives you another promise today about an abiding presence. An abiding presence. He says, not only did I come to be with you, but there's a unity that's going to occur in our relationship. There, there's a unity, and because of that unity, your life is going to bear fruit. If you want to bring forth the greater, here's what he says to do. John 15, 4. He says, remain in me as I remain in you. Your scripture might say, abide. Abide in me as I abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. How many of you have ever been to like a Home Depot or Lowe's and you've seen some fruit trees there? You see them all lined up or you'll see different trees there. You guys know what I'm talking about? And that'd be like oranges or different things. Did you know that all of that 
all of the top part of the tree is, is cut off of something else and grown somewhere else. And all the bottom part of the tree is what's called root stock. And that's grown somewhere else. So the root stock of your tree is something that is conditioned to that environment to soak up nutrients and provide for whatever they graft to it so that it can bring forth fruit. And usually the reason if you've ever bought a tree and it doesn't do well is because it wasn't grafted properly to the root. So what you're buying is a root from some kind of other tree with a branch that should bring forth fruit grafted into it. And so sometimes you look at the whole thing and you think, oh, I should bear forth fruit. I just want to tell you a life that abides brings forth great fruit. So what happens, I, I, I like to garden, I like to graft things. And if the branch starts to wither and die and not bring fruit, we prune it off. But before we go, why didn't it happen? And usually it's because the rootstock has to be cut open. It has to be wounded. And then, this is a whole other sermon we don't have time for, the branch is inserted into the wound and it grows together and it begins to receive life where it would have died from the roots that bring forth fruit. Here's what's true in your life. Stop stressing about the fruit. Care about the graft. Care about abiding. Care about remaining. Some of you, you have allowed people to speak into your life about the fruit and not the graft. And it needs to be the other way around. Because you've allowed people who don't understand how that works speak in and say, how come you haven't done this? And how come you haven't do this? And how come you're always like this? You need to get rid of those people in 2023. And instead, get the kind of people in your life that will do the real dirt work with you and say, wait a second, let's talk about that graft. Are you grafted in? Are you close? Are you, tight? Are you, are, are you linked with who God is? Because from that grafting will come the fruit. Right? From that grafting to it, the Spirit comes the fruit of the Spirit. Keep saying, God, give me peace. He says, be grafted, abide, remain in me. And the fruit of the Spirit is peace. God, give me joy. He says, be grafted, abide, be linked with me. And a fruit of the Spirit is joy. Are you with me? It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. It's the same language that he used before, but now in chapter 15, verse 7, he says, be grafted into me. See, the key to even greater, see, in our cultural context, it's more works, more things, more doing. But the key this morning is abiding, an even greater abiding in God. It's simple. Abide in Christ, remain in him, put your identity in him, and the fruit will come. If there's a resolution, it's not more this, more that, more seeing that, more peace, more telling, it's more abiding. More abiding with that Holy Spirit who's been sent to dwell with you. Are you with me? Do you see how that changes it? It's less about earning. It's less about proving. It's less about showing that you can. It's less about proving that you're worthy. It's less about being about doing this and doing that and adding this and greater this. It is about abiding with the Spirit who is for you. Can I encourage you in 2023, if you have a goal, may it be to abide in the Spirit more deeply. Man, you can come up. And so this is our, our prayer for 2023. It's not for a greater workload. Just take a deep breath on that. It's not for a greater sense of systems, or even though we're believing for one, it's not, doesn't rest on a greater building. Though we believe that God is calling us to a greater facility as we really seek to become this epicenter for discipleship in the valley. Our prayer is very simply an even greater hunger for the Lord. 
an even greater hunger for his presence, an even greater hunger to abide in him, an even greater hunger for his word, for his praise, for prayer. And then to trust, like Jesus says in Matthew 5, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. See, church, greater begins with hunger. It begins by saying, Holy Spirit, I want to abide more in your presence. And when the people of God hunger for him above all things, hunger more for more of the Spirit, when a great hunger is stirred up, church, we're going to see a great move of God. Not because we said the right words or we found the right formula, but because we got our hearts right with him and we said, God, enough of this striving. It's more about abiding. It's being in your presence. It's being hungry for you. When was the last time you were hungry for the Lord? Like not hungry for the things you feel like he's telling you to do. This task, this ministry, this place. I'm talking about like hungry for him. Hungry for the Spirit's presence. Like you couldn't wait to praise him. You couldn't wait to get in his word. You read the word of God like it was his love letter to you. You're like, oh my gosh, like this gospel is for me. You didn't read it so you'd fulfill something or post some diva or add a scripture to your profile. You read it because it was just the loving words of God in your life. You're like, oh my gosh, this is stirring me and convicting me and guiding me. What was the last time when you really prayed and you began to pray for him to move in any way and you saw him move and you heard him speaking, when was the last time you just listened for his voice? You put away the phone and you put away all the, all the sound and you just sat in stillness and you're like, God, just speak. Spirit, speak to me. When was the last time you just opened to however the Spirit moved? Right? I mean, like, really open. This is before you got that YouTube theology degree where you deep dive and got all serious, and you were afraid what people thought of you, and you were like, well, I would do this with the Spirit, but it makes me uncomfortable, and it might look weird. You didn't care about how it looked at all. You're just like, Holy Spirit, use me. Move through me. I don't care about how uncomfortable it is. You know what's really uncomfortable? Hell. And he saved me from hell. Like, nothing's going to be more uncomfortable from eternal separation with him. Holy Spirit, do whatever you want with my life. Move however you want. Speak in tongues. Move in prophecy. Call me out to pray for healing. Whatever you want to do, move in the gifts in my life. Some of you, it's been a while since you felt that hunger. Maybe you were part of that crew that came down and helped plant this church. You just had this hunger to share the gospel and to get into the word. And life has kind of gone on. And again, you just need to be in that space of like, God, stir up that hunger. Remind me what I'm about. Maybe some of you, you were like that kid in youth ministry. It's like you didn't care who you told. You're just like, somebody needs to know about Jesus. Maybe you were that leader or that person, or maybe you walked in ministry, and you begin to move in the prophetic, and you begin to see God move in powerful ways. But now it's like, well, you know, I've just encountered so much life, and I don't know my place. Can I just tell you, get hungry again. Say, God, stir up that hunger in my life. Stir up that passion in my life. Maybe you're somebody who's never gotten it. You've just been going through the motions. You've learned enough verses. You've been through enough small groups that you are good enough at pretending but bad enough at practicing it. Can I just encourage you? Our prayer today is not, God, help me do more small groups. It's, God, help stir up a hunger in me. Stir up a fire in me. Stir up a hunger for more of you. For more of you. 
I trust you, God, to do everything else. I trust you to move in miracles in my family and in my health. I want to hunger for more of you. Because I know, like the psalmist says, that when I hunger and thirst for you, when I come into your presence, I'll be satisfied. And I want to be satisfied in 2023. If you want to be satisfied in 2023, then it begins today by saying, God, stir up a hunger in me. What was the last time? Who's ready for it again? Who's ready to hunger for the Lord? Can I tell you, that's why we're doing 21 days of prayer. It's not to do another thing. It's because we're believing for a hunger from the Lord that comes supernaturally through the Holy Spirit. Supernaturally through the Holy Spirit. So we're saying pray an hour a day. We're believing for over a thousand hours of prayer. But I don't care if you start with 15 minutes a day and you haven't even prayed to God one time, I'm going to guarantee you, if you start with God, stir up a hunger, you're going to be praying at whatever hours you want. What matters is what God wants to do. Do you need the Spirit to stir up a hunger in you this morning? Would you stand with me? As you're standing, would you bow your head and close your eyes? This is just a moment, you and Jesus, you and the Spirit, actually, right now, you and the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is present in this place, in this room. We acknowledge you, Holy Spirit, right here in this place. We acknowledge your presence. In fact, we just say thank you. We love you, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you're present right here and right now. We thank you, God, that there is not a capacity in which you're limiting us. And so, God, I pray that there would be a willingness stirred up in our hearts even right now to be open. As you're, with your eyes closed and your head bowed, I'm just going to ask this question. Do you long for the Holy Spirit to stir up a hunger in you? just need that in 2023. You need a refreshing. You need a renewing. You need the Holy Spirit to just stir up this hunger for the Lord. Just two seconds, I'm going to invite you to respond, and we're going to do this together. I'm going to invite you in just a second to come forward to the altar. Sometimes we raise our hands. Sometimes we take a step. I really believe this is just like a moment for you, a step of faith for you to say, God, stir up a hunger. And there's something about movement that imparts in our mind an, a moment. It says, this is a moment. I'm stepping into the new, and I'm stepping out of the old. And so if that's you and you're saying, Lord, stir up a hunger in me. Holy Spirit, stir up a hunger in me that 2023 would be marked by an even greater hunger for you, not by my own strength, but by you. Stir up a hunger for me. The Lord invites you. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.